What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all things romance novels and the people who love them and the people who write them and everything else. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, December 8th, 2022. This is the last episode of 2022, just so you know. There won't be one at the end of the month because we will be on holiday. Um, yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. The next, yeah, Monday, two weeks from now, is not is, is a federal holiday in the U.S. Yep. So we, after this, will be talking to you again on the other side in 2023 um and we'll see if anything has changed by then god i hope so (laughs) i have so many jess i have so many eggs in the 2023 basket like (laughs) so many like i don't get me wrong time is a nightmare and a mystery and i don't know how we got to 2023 but i am so grateful i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm ready to turn the page i feel like there's got to be a a better year for us than there has been for the last few years I support this wish, and I, my fingers are crossed with you. Excellent. Well, we'll find out. We will. Uh, but before we do, there are, actually, as Jess mentioned, there's at least one holiday. For some of us, there are multiple holidays. For some people, there may be no holidays, but you don't have to buy a gift for other people. You can buy it for yourself. But if you <laughs> are looking, in fact, for the perfect gift for a book nerd in your life, even if it is yourself, or maybe especially if it is yourself, like we said, it's been a rough year, <laughs> gift tailored book recommendations. Your special someone or self will tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, about what they love and what they don't, what their reading goals are, what are you looking to read more of in your bookish life, and then all you or your gifted party have to do is sit back while the bibliologists go to work selecting books that will totally fit the need. And fun story, TBR has plans for every budget. You can gift one quarter, you can gift a whole year, you can gift hardcovers in the mail or recommendations only via email. And the recommendations only level is available no matter where in the world you live. Maybe where outside of the world if you have email, I don't know. I'm not gonna, you know, limit your TBR options. Uh, so you can visit mytbr.co slash gift to give the gift of books. That's mytbr.co slash gift. And I will stick a link in the show notes for you to find that for yourself, for your friend, loved one. Like we said before, maybe like a nemesis. I don't know. Whoever. <laughs> it's up to you. Up to you. Yes. I really want somebody to like email us and tell us that they either sent in a recommendation or bought a TBR subscription for their nemesis. That would like make my year. <laughs> that would be amazing. I really, I really want to know like how they went about that too. Just like, yes, things they would absolutely hate or mm-hmm. things that you think they would enjoy. Just so you can be like, I was nice to you. You can go either way. See, there's so much here. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, maybe, maybe 2023. 
Maybe 2023. If instead you prefer to give yourself your own personal Yalabaka flood, there is that too. So many options. So many so options. Many options. All right. Um, we also did want to mention that we talked last time about the uh, HarperCollins strike of the workforce. That is still going on. It seems a little discouraging. I've kind of only been following the broad headlines. It does not seem like HarperCollins is meeting with the workforce that is on strike. And so I think we can all imagine that those folks are in a pretty tough position. It is a difficult time of year to have no income. It is difficult any time of year to have no income, but especially with things like heating bills and potentially holiday bills and all of that. This is really a challenge. The link to how you can potentially support those workers will be back in our show notes again this week. But Jess, you and I have talked a little bit about this. You know, I uh, I mentioned earlier today, I feel really torn about whether or not we should be talking about HarperCollins books, because obviously we don't want to be driving business to a company that is not accommodating its workers. And at the same time, the authors who we talk about will suffer if we Do stop not. talking about their books, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I talked a little bit about this on our, our Slack earlier. I don't know if you have feelings about this, especially as an author. I don't know kind of where you land on all this. Yeah, it's really hard to say because like you said, like, you know, we don't want to tell the company that it doesn't matter what their union is doing, we'll still give them money. But in the meantime, the authors are not part of that union and they are being negatively affected by the fact that the strike is going. So, you know, the strike is a good thing. We are not saying this is bad, but much like all of the people who are on strike might be affected monetarily by this because they are on strike, the authors that they work with are also being negatively affected by this because they are supporting the strike and not just like in a social capacity, but also in a, if we do not talk about their books, are people going to buy them? And, you know, they, the people, the union has said, you know, we're not asking you to boycott, we're just not asking you not to promote them. So where is that line? And we have to figure out, you know, where that is. I also discovered between our episodes that Harlequin editors and mid-level staff are actually not allowed to join the HarperCollins union. So there's also that. (laughs) Like, we would hope that they would also be able to be positively affected by the strike. But HarperCollins is doing some interesting things. So yeah, choices are being made. Choices are being made. You make your own monetary decisions about... Um, what companies you want to support, what authors you want to support, etc. So I think even if we talk about them, maybe not about upcoming books, but so, like, I'll tell you, I am going to be talking about a Beverly Jenkins book later. Beverly Jenkins is exclusively a HarperCollins author. She writes for Avon, and she writes for William Morrow. So... Mm-hmm. Well, and she she has a couple other things in the air with, like, Amazon and that kind of thing. But she is almost exclusively a HarperCollins author. And she has 30 years of backlist. So if I say I'm not going to talk about her 30 years worth of books until the strike is over, 
Yeah. I don't know how that affects her anyway. Like, I don't know if I am helping her to gain another 50 cents or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, how yeah. royalties work. <laughs> yeah, But um, especially like long past royalties, but. Yeah, and a lot of these authors are not Beverly Jenkins, right? Like, it, don't get me wrong. I'm. She definitely deserves all of our financial support for sure. I am not. She's not. Uh, you know, like Nora Ephron or Nora Ephron. God, great job, Trisha. <laughs> like I said, I'm a little under the weather today. She's not like Nora Roberts, who owns like her entire town, right? Yeah, but obviously. Yeah. But there's a lot of these authors who don't have 30 years worth of backlist, right? Who right are relatively new and. It's only been, as we've talked about, even just in the time span of this podcast, a lot of these authors, particularly who are from marginalized communities, have only been getting picked up by major publishers in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So if we stop talking about them, you know, again, it's it's just a tough, it's like somebody's going to get kind of get the raw end of the deal, and it's tough to know how to manage it. But it is something that we're thinking a lot about, and we certainly encourage all of you to support the strike in whatever way you can. And I think also to make whatever decisions you think are the best that you can in terms of um, purchasing books or or not, right? If you would just feel better putting this Beverly Jenkins book, or I believe Alicia Rai is also Avon. I've got one of her books on the list for later. Mm-hmm. And maybe you feel better just sticking it on your TBR for now and waiting till the strike is over. And I think that is absolutely a, a perfectly good decision as well. So yeah, I was think I was thinking that as well. Like, you know, we can say like these are books that we recommend definitely, but wait until the strike is completed before you actually make purchases. I don't know. Like, I would love to see a huge flood of money go to HarperCollins once they realize that they should be paying their staff a living wage, but yep. cuz then it would be like, oh, people like they might make some kind of connection, but they might not. So who knows? I don't know. I'm talking in circles. Yeah. I feel like we could do that for the entire episode, but we <laughs> won't because it would be way more interesting to talk about books. Uh, yes. And we have plenty to talk about. We have uh, several of our recommendations that we didn't get to last time around. Um, and actually, we need to talk about what we are reading, but I think in all of our talking in circles around <laughs> the Harper Collins strike, uh, we should maybe take a quick break. And then I would love to know about what you're reading, Jess. Awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks, the fastest growing publisher in the world. So I have a new true crime story for you coming from New York Times bestselling author Casey Sherman, and it is titled Murder in Hollywood. So it follows Hollywood starlet Lana Turner, who was one of Tinseltown's most recognizable faces in the 40s and 50s, but her life behind the scenes was terrible. It was terribly dark. So she started dating this mobster. His name was Johnny Stampanato. He was a thug for West Coast mob boss Mickey Cohen. And that was the beginning of the end, basically. So one night in 1958, Lana tried to leave him. He predictably turned violent, but then there was a twist to this. Her daughter stepped in, trying to protect her mother, and ultimately killed him. So in this new book, Casey Sherman pulls back Tinseltown's Velvet Curtain to reveal a dark underbelly of celebrity. So make sure to pick up Murder in Hollywood by Casey Sherman to get to the bottom of that tea. And thanks again to Sourcebooks, the fastest growing publisher in the world, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by William Morrow. 
I'll be dead in three months. Come tell my story. Imagine someone told you that. That's what Sebastian Trapp, a reclusive mystery novelist, told to his longtime correspondent, Nikki Hunter, an expert in detective fiction. So with only a few months left to live, Trapp invites Nikki to his spectacular San Francisco mansion to help draft his life story, living alongside his beautiful second wife, Diana, his wayward nephew, Freddie, and his protective daughter, Madeline. But soon, Nikki finds herself caught in an irresistible case of real-life detective fever. Make sure to pick up End of Story by New York Times bestselling author A.J. Finn for a book that gives Knives Out, that gives White Lotus. You'll like this if you like books by Lucy Foley, Nita Prose, and others. So make sure to pick it up, check it out, and thanks again to William Morrow for sponsoring this episode. All right, we've kept everyone in suspense for long enough. Jessica Pride, what are you reading right now? Well, I am in the middle of two holiday novellas. I don't know why I'm calling them holiday novellas. They are Christmas books. Um, and uh, They can be both. They are, they are both. They're holiday novellas that are specifically focused on the Christmas holiday. And they are both best friends siblings books which i ooh that's not usually your jam is it yeah i'm not really like a huge i don't gravitate towards those but these two books are by authors that i wanted to read um so and the uh, the rest of the story was kind of like huh so i thought i'd pick them up and the first one is santa baby by eliza mclean and for transparency eliza mclean the author known as eliza mclean is a friend and colleague of mine but that doesn't mean that i am offering you trash um santa baby is uh, about a guy named nick who is a struggling actor and he gets a job that all he knows is that he's going to be santa and he's really excited because he's always wanted to add santa to you know the various things he's like oh it'll be like at a party or something and he gets there and it's not that kind of party he has signed a contract <laughs> unknowingly to be Santa in a Christmas themed adult film. Da da da. Da da da. And he's like, oh no. And then somebody calls for the boss and out comes Holly, his best friend's little sister, who is the director mm. of this adult film. Oh. And then in comes a snowstorm, and she, being the good boss that she is, sends everyone home, but he sticks around to help her film the final scene. Wow. And I don't know what else is going to happen. I was going to say, I can only imagine there's a Christmas miracle of some kind involved. <laughs> Something involved. That's yeah, as far I'm not going to. So far. Yeah, I'm not going to guess anything. But uh, wait, okay, so you said you're reading two. What's the other one? The other one is Her Christmas Wish by Carmen Lee. And I've read a few Carmen Lee's of Carmen Lee's books in the past. There, I might have mentioned them um, on here before. They have always been delightful. And I'm not very far into this one. I just I wanted something different on my lunch break today. And this one involves Rocky. Her name is Rochelle, I think, but she prefers to go by Rocky. 
is visiting her parents for the Christmas holiday. And she gets a text from her sister that's like, I'm bringing a friend home for Christmas. Don't be weird. And she's like, what the heck? I'm not weird. Um, and when she brings the friends home, it turns out that it was her friend from college who Rocky had a crush on when she was still jailbait. But now they are both adults and they are going to be staying in the same house for the next week or so. So see what happens there. Interesting. Interesting that there is forced proximity in both of those books. Uh, well, I mean, I had it had to be something that was going to keep me interested. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, it's funny that you say that you're reading two holiday books because I actually am as well. I think I mentioned at some point uh, over the course of the last several months that I have also started once or twice a month or once every month or two hosting the All the Backlist podcast for Book Riot, which has been super fun because in addition to getting to talk about romance once in a while, I get to talk about a lot of other different kinds of books. Uh, and next week, I have a thought of how I how I might do it. And so I've been rereading a couple of books that are holiday uh, themed that mm-hmm. I may end up talking about there. Uh, one is Mary Inkmas, which is by Talia Hibbert. I'm sure that we have talked about this book at some point, but uh, it is about a woman named Bailey who loses her job at a coffee shop because she is standing up for a person who does not have a home who has come in just to sort of stay warm for a few minutes. The owner is a real terrible person and fires her. And there is a customer who has been a regular customer and uh, maybe occasionally flirts a little bit with Bailey named Cash. Uh, He sees this happen and also decides to help this person who is in need of a little support. And then after they are sort of finished at the end of the evening, he offers her a job. He doesn't tell her what it is. He just says, show up tomorrow at 10 a.m. And it turns out that he is a very famous uh, tattoo artist who is sort of supposedly hiring a receptionist. Everyone's <laughs> like, really? That's a bit of a surprise. We've never really needed a receptionist before. Uh But it is because Cash has a little bit of a crush on Bailey. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know hijinks ensue it's a lovely little this is like the kind of it's again it's a novella so it's short enough that if you are on a quick plane ride potentially or trying to avoid family or friends for a couple of hours uh if you are looking for something to take your mind off of whatever is happening over the course of the next several weeks you want just a quick little delightful book that is mary inkmas by talia hibbert the other one that I've been rereading is actually Lighting the Flames by a friend of the podcast, Sarah Wendell. This is actually, it has become a lot easier to find romances that are about Hanukkah or non-Christmas related holidays. But back in 2014, gosh, I can't believe it's been almost 10 years since this came out, when oh Sarah published gosh. this book. Yeah, it was super uncommon, really, really difficult to find. This is another relatively short book. It's about 160 pages. And it is about Genevieve and Jeremy who have, they're sort of estranged friends. They went to the same Jewish overnight camp as kids. They were best friends at that time. And then they don't really see a lot of each other after a while, uh, but they get back together because their camp, in much like the Hallmark movie fashion, the camp is going to shut down unless they can save it. (laughs) So they're reunited to save it. And it's a really lovely little charming story. One of the things that I actually really like about this book that has really stuck with me is that Jeremy's full-time job is as a funeral director, which seems like kind of a bleak 
position for somebody to have, but it's handled. Sarah does such a good job, I think, of handling it kind of with such grace and pointing out like how important it is to have people kind of, you know, help people move through their grief and potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, help people manage the idea of moving from one life into whatever comes next. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that that was a really lovely aspect of this book. And so I've been rereading it just, just restarted it. And I am delighted by it so far. Again, another relatively short book. If you are looking for a couple of hours to escape into something that is not whatever is going on in your life, uh, check out Lighting the Flames by Sarah Wendell. Awesome. Oh, I have to do a quick follow-up. So I posted the Reese Ryan book, Someone Like You, I think it is called, something like that, something about you. I feel terrible now, I can't. Oh, Something About You by Reese Ryan. I talked about that in our last episode, and as it turns out, when I went to post it in the show notes, it is currently out of print, and I don't know why. It's only a couple years old. But because that one was not in print, I will toss out Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory, which I have actually not read, but has gotten really good feedback from some of our book riot friends and colleagues. People love Jasmine Guillory. This one is about a woman who is going to, I believe, help nanny children at a castle, maybe in England. There's like I a think, royal family member involved. I don't know. Have you read this? She's she's going with her daughter who has been called to style someone. I can't remember. But mm-hmm. her daughter's like, please come with me. You need a vacation. And she's like, okay. So I, there are no children, thankfully. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, great. Even better. I don't. I must be conflating with something else. Anyway, this is again. I haven't read it, but I know many, many people who really love Royal Holiday. And if you're looking for older main characters, that is a great option. I will also shout out a book that Jess actually mentioned in a post several, gosh, months ago, I think, um, about older main characters. Oh, oh, over a year now. It was October of 2021. Mm. called When Love Calls by Sharon C. Cooper. It is, again, someone sort of starting over. Mona has left the man she's been with for 35 years, starting over, happens to meet a new maintenance man in a new place. I have not read this one yet either, but when I was looking for books to sub in, I immediately bought it because there's a good (laughs) chance I will have read it by the time we talk next. Um, (laughs) Who doesn't love a handsome maintenance man? So anyway, I'm bummed that the Reese Ryan book was not in print, but I will link to a couple of other options. Awesome. And uh, speaking of older main characters, there is a book coming out in April that you can put on hold and we'll probably talk about it later. Brenna Bailey is publishing a whole series with main characters uh, who are older. And the first book, at least, has main characters in their 70s. And it's called A Tale of Two Florists. So we're looking forward to checking that one out when it's available. Yeah, and I know that one is two women as the main characters. I don't know if the entire series is queer or not, but as rare as it is to find books with older main characters, it can be even harder to find sort of the full gamut of representation. So Mm -hmm. hooray for that. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, we also heard from uh, our wonderful... Great and good audio editor, Jen Zink. As soon as we said epic fantasy, Jen was like, okay, buckle up. (laughs) So I'm going to read directly from her email because she will be able to say it far better than I will. But Ruby Dixon's Aspect and Anchor series, Amanda Pichette's Kingmaker's Chronicles, and then Gina Chen's Violet Made of Thorns, which I desperately hope is a series for a Ruby Dixon-like SFF. 
Uh, check out Anna Cavern's Dark Planet Warriors, followed by Dark Star Mercenaries, plus a few others. The series is much darker and heavier than Ice Planet Barbarians and deals with various types of trauma, including sexual assault, kidnapping, torture, and more. So this is Trisha. Heads up for that. Back to Jen. Great for folks who want a pretty good science fiction series with some spicy romance. There's sex on the page, but it's not full erotica. Uh, the other is Elizabeth Stevens' Zivari Mates. Yikes. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the validation. It's X-I-V-E-R-I uh, Mates, which has similar content warnings, but again, is an interesting science fiction series with sex on the page. And Jen is... Very well, but not very knowledgeable about this particular topic. So yes, yes, she certainly is. Uh, consider yeah any of her recommendations. Awesome. And speaking of recommendations, this is part two of the recommendations episode. So um, we are very happy to be able to offer a few more. We had a few more than ex- than we were able to get into a good time period last time. So we got carried those over and also have a few more uh, that others sent in after the episode aired. So thank you for reaching out with those. And I will be really honest, Jess, I kind of feel like this first one that we're going to get into is one from a couple of months ago that just in a variety of life and family stuff, we both missed. So Mm -hmm. our apologies to Heather, but uh, we are figuring that you are eventually going to need to go on a road trip with your husband again, eventually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Um, we're gonna, well, Jess in particular, um, kind of nailed this one. So I'm gonna sit back and just let her be brilliant. Uh, so I will read your question and then Jess will give you some recommendations. So Heather is, or was, getting ready for a road trip with my husband and looking for an audiobook recommendation. I love Regency Romance with some steam and he's into tabletop role playing games. Any recommendations for a high high fantasy or Regency romance that might hold his interest. We both loved Name of the Wind, and I'm a huge Sarah McLean fan. All right, Jess, what do you got? So immediately upon reading this request, my immediate thought was Witchmark. So maybe this is already on your radar, Heather, since um, we talked about it in a book club episode. But if you skipped that episode or are not yet convinced which mark has so many elements of a historical romance. It's set in Edwardian times, so it's not quite Regency style, but it does sort of have that feeling of society and all of those things that you would get in a Regency with, you know, all of the fantasy on top of it with magic and fae and war and intrigue and all of that. So I think the combination of those things, plus the fact that the mystery is heavily at the forefront of the story, while the romance kind of tags along for a ride, might make it so that you both enjoy it a little more. I don't know. I don't know if he's also a fan of heavily romantic stories, or you just want him to be interested in something. I don't know. Um, So that was my first thought. (laughs) And I will say we definitely had some folks when we did Witchmark that kind of said it's not super Mm romancy. So for whatever that is worth, and it's more than one book. So you go on a long road trip. 
Yeah, you have three books in that one series, and then you have a few more of C.L. Polk's books to add along, because if there's one thing they do, it's write a romantic story with lots of history and fantasy combined. Um, so yeah, definitely check those out. And I will also throw out something, another book that we have talked about on the podcast before, and that is A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Mella Vane. It's the first book in that series. It has hella content warnings, including the opening chapter being about a very bloody battle scene in which the people on the opposing side to the person narrating are referred to as savages. I had to like sit it down for a second and come back to it. But once I actually settled into it and, you know, recalibrated my brain to be like, these are people in some other place, some other time, et cetera, et cetera. I was able to really get into and enjoy the story. It is a chunker. And the audiobook is probably about 20 hours, but it is actually pretty great. Um, and there are at least two other books in the series. So even if you're going on a multi-cross country road trip, you'll, you'd have plenty to listen to with that one. And I thought it was particularly well done on audio in a way that I might not have held on to in print because, like I said, it's a real thick book. All right. You know what? Let's pause and do another ad spot, and then we will talk about crimes and doing crimes. Okay. Sounds good. Today's episode is brought to you by Random House, publishers of The Book of Love by Kelly Link. So The Book of Love is a long-awaited debut novel from a Pulitzer Prize finalist, a MacArthur Genius Grant recipient, and the author of some amazing short story collections. It follows Laura, Daniel, and Mo, who one night find themselves in a high school classroom, which is not too special because they are teenagers, but get this, it happens almost a year after they disappeared and were presumed dead. And with them is their unremarkable music teacher who seems to know something about their disappearance and what brought them back. So desperate to reclaim their lives, the three agree to the terms their music teacher proposes. They will be given a series of magical tasks. While they undertake them, they may return to their families, but they can tell no one where they've been. But when other supernatural forces descend on their town, the stakes get even higher. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Random House, publishers of The Book of Love by Kelly Link for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So we didn't get to a question from Amanda. This one might have also been actually from a, a couple of months ago, but but you know what? Crime has no date or time. 
No. It's, it's, it's always out there. Um, Amanda recently re- read The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes by Cat Sebastian and, quote, I can't get enough of it. I'd love to read other romances in a similar vein with protagonists on the wrong side of the law, but I can't think of any. I also loved Daring in the Duke by Sarah McLean, which I felt had a similar vibe to Marion Hayes. It doesn't have to be a historical romance, but it does seem like those would be a good bet. Do you have any suggestions? I'm going to let you go again first, Jess, because, uh, you know, we, I think we very much agree on your first pick here. Uh, yes. My first pick is a broken record book and author. And I actually already mentioned that I would be talking about this book earlier. And that is To Catch a Raven by Beverly Jenkins. It's her most recent release. And honestly, she's got a few criminals if you go through her backlist. So I definitely recommend sort of picking and choosing some of those. But To Catch a Raven in particular might really scratch that itch because this one is not just about a criminal, but it is about a family of grifters, criminals, con people, and everything else that you can can think of. (laughs) And they... Like just being around them and the way that they that they come up with ideas and talk about their past exploits is always fun. But in this particular story, one of them is being entrapped. What do you? I don't know what you, yeah. what, you, what you call it. Basically, she has to do crime for the government, or they will put her and her whole family in jail. And the crime that she has to do is to pretend to be a servant in a former Confederate household to retrieve the copy of the Declaration of Independence that the owner of that household refuses to give back to the government. Yeah, so whatever you want to call it, it's not great. Yeah. It's not great. (laughs) It's not great, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, So, yeah. There's a fake marriage, there are capers, there is lots of sexual tension and all of the good things that happen in a Beverly Jenkins book. And I think if you like The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes and Cat Sebastian's writing in particular, then I think To Catch a Raven and Miss Bev's Backlist will also treat you well. Yeah, and I will say it's not a historical, um, but I mentioned that I had just started reading earlier, gosh, just a couple of months ago, Partners in Crime by Alicia Rye. And this is, again, this is a book that is is published by Avon. Um, so do with that information what you will. But this one is two people who, one of them has a parent who has done something, has a thing. It doesn't really matter. The point is, that this woman uh, who has randomly and unfortunately run into um, her ex on just a random day and, you know, things aren't going great, but she runs into him. Then she gets, they both kind of get kidnapped. (laughs) And then they're sort of running from the law, but also kind of trying to figure out how to get the thing that the bad guys are after. (laughs) Meanwhile... They had dated. They did not end on great terms. So they are trying to navigate this all in the span of one night in Las Vegas, both kind of the personal stuff. They're also trying to make sure that because they haven't found the thing yet, their families don't get killed. There's a lot going on. There's definitely crimes. Yeah, they're doing crimes, but also trying to prevent more crimes. So 
it's a little bit of a complicated situation. So anyway, I, I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It is kind of a madcap second chance romance. It is called Partners in Crime again by Alicia Rai. I will also do a quick shout out. I I feel like Helen K. Diamond Damone, I always, I'm never sure how to pronounce her name. So I apologize to you, Helen K. Has always had a gift for sort of romantic suspense and doesn't necessarily get enough credit for it. I think at this point, she's actually doing more writing of mysteries and thrillers under a different name. So fair (laughs) enough. But she has written a couple of different books that have sort of that mystery, suspense, somebody's a criminal element. Um, I really liked her Whitaker Island duology. The first book is Her Other Secret. And it's uh, one of those books where somebody ends up dead and nobody's sure who did it. It's on a small island and nobody can get on or off the island and they're trying to figure out what happened. So it's really more probably romantic suspense than actually trying to like solve a crime. But I, if you are interested in that kind of book, I would recommend um, Helen Kay. Uh, I think her books are, she's got a, a few that are that element of sort of fun and funny, but also mysterious and murdery. So, <laughs> you know, that's worth checking out. And if you, another author who is big on mystery, crime, etc., but also fun and funny is KJ Charles. And a lot of people will send you towards her Lily White Boys trilogy, which she just finished releasing, um, which I am not saying not to read because I'm sure it is delightful if you've read all three books and I've only read the first one. (laughs) Um, But her book, A Thief in the Night, is actually an audible plus audible original um so if you are a subscriber it is currently available in audiobook it's a very short book and if you are willing to wait she will be releasing it in at least ebook if not ebook in print sometime in 2023 but it is a really good way to sort of just understand who KJ Charles is as a writer because it's so short you get everything that she does in that brief amount of time. And so there are these two men who meet in a pub, I guess you call it, um, whatever the Regency version of a pub is. It's a pub. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it's a pub. Yeah. Pubs, pubs exist over all the time in romance. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. And they, you know, they hit it off and share an, an evening together. And then one runs off in the night with the other's belongings. Literally a thief in the night. Um, And uh, some time later, the thief has been trying to sort of figure out what to do next and finds himself pretending to be a valet who has been hired for this earl. So he goes to the house and lo and behold, this earl is his gentleman who he mm-hmm. has previously robbed, who sure. is like, well, you know what? I can't blame you, but I need you to pay me back some kind of way. So you know what? You're going to help me out here. And uh, they are living together, essentially trying to like fix this decrepit old house that the young Earl has has inherited. But also there is something missing that should be in the house. 
and the thief has to help him get it back. So I feel like there's a lot of that in these books. There's yeah. like a thing that everybody's trying to find <laughs> and no one knows where it is. And the stakes are high. And the stakes are high. So yeah, this is it's very short. So I don't want to give you the whole story, but I kind of did. And it's delightful. It's really great on audio if you either have Audible or want to get a trial or try it out or ask somebody to get it for you for Christmas or whatever winter holiday you might celebrate or not celebrate. Yellow Block of Flood is always good. Just say that's all you celebrate is Giant Book Flood. And it's it's short and then you can move on to other KJ Charles stuff because once you listen to that, if you enjoy it, you have plenty of backlist to try and she also really likes her criminals. And if other folks have crime books that they like, let us know. Absolutely. That is true of all of our recs and questions. If you've got things, we could we can certainly keep this conversation going in 2023. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to read the next one, Jess? All right. This one is from Ali or Ali. I'm sorry. Whichever of those is incorrect. Hi, Jess and Trisha. I was wondering if you might be able to recommend some queer friends to lovers romance novels in the next episode. So this is the episode, and we have some queer friends to lovers romance novels to recommend. Indeed, we do. Uh, I will start with one called Mooncakes. It's actually a graphic novel. I don't know if you've read this one or not, Jess. I think I have. Is that the, the yeah. which library, which, which bookstore? Sure is. Yep. Yes. Uh, so it came in a few years ago. It's, like I said, I think it's definitely a graphic novel. It's probably like a sort of a YA It is about a teenage witch, of course, who is essentially being raised by her grandmothers. They kind of get into some aspects of that. And there is some familial stuff kind of going on there. But there is a lot of magic, a lot of witchcraft. She's just hanging out. And uh, one night she happens upon a wolf in the woods and finds out that it is actually her childhood crush, Tam, uh, who is battling a horse demon, as sometimes happens. Tam has been wandering for years. They left for particular reasons of, you know, why they weren't able to be in that place anymore. They are having some pretty serious issues with their family. In fact, they are very serious issues, which you will find out later in the book. But they're just kind of trying to find a place trying to battle this horse demon as happens. And Tam sort of gets adopted into Nova's family a little bit, but there are also some feelings. So this is sort of a childhood friends who were apart for a little while to lovers book. It's really, really charming and lovely. I actually read it. I had a a trial to comiXology on Amazon. And so I read it online that way. Certainly there are other ways to do it, but you know, that's an idea. If you are thinking that it could be for you, but you aren't 100% sure, um, you could give that a try. Again, that's Mooncakes. It's by Suzanne Walker, and it's illustrated by Wendy um, Shu. So that will be in the show notes. I will give you a couple of others that are like maybe a degree separated from what we're talking about. The first is Wrong Number, Right Woman by Jay, which we actually read as a book club book. So you may have read this book already. And the reason I say it's sort of one degree separated is because it starts with somebody texting the wrong number and asking for dating advice. Uh, so that gets a little complicated, but these two people eventually obviously realize that they are 
not texting who they think that they are texting, um, but they hit it off as friends. And actually, one of the things that we talked about when we talked about this book was how cool this relationship is in the way that it develops and how much depth there is to the way that this develops very much as a friendship. And there is kind of a non-romantic intimacy, at least at first. And then once they actually start meeting up and getting to know each other a little bit better, they do find out that there is maybe something a little more than friendship going on there. So you may have read that one with us uh, on the book club, but if you haven't, I would say check out Wrong Number, Right Woman by Jay. And then I'm going to sneak in Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake. It's not quite a friends to lovers. It's more of like a childhood acquaintances to lovers book. So this is a little bit of a cheat, but I just really liked it a lot. So <laughs> I'm kind of just taking this excuse to talk about it. It's um, a woman, Delilah, is coming back for her stepsister's wedding to try to help out with a bunch of... She's been asked to help out. There's there's some family dynamics at play. <laughs> um, and she gets reunited with her stepsister's childhood friend, uh, who is, you know, also a lovely and attractive single mother. Um, and, you know, some sparks fly there. Like I said, this one's a little bit of a stretch, but I just really like it. So I thought I would toss it out anyway. Awesome. What do you got, Jess? I have a few. So um, the entire... Well... I want you to read the entire Game Changers series by Rachel Reed because each book gets increasingly better. Um, but they don't all have friends to lovers elements to them. So, um, this is me actually recommending bits of a series out of order, which I rarely do. And in this case, there are a couple books that you would have to go back and read to understand what was happening. But I want you to read all of them. But these are the ones that would really work for you as friends to lovers. And it's funny because books three, four and five are all kinds of friends to lovers. But I really want to talk about Common Goal, which is book four. Um, which is one one of my favorites, even though I have bigger favorites for various reasons. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Common Goal, which just sits smack in the middle of the series right now, features an older goalie, and we're talking older in hockey years, but also he's actually like significantly older and a much younger colleague and Eric the older goalie is retired now from from playing and he has a friends with benefits kind of deal with a younger graduate student who he meets just around and <laughs> they become really good friends like they obviously have the whole with benefits element, but their friendship is very meaningful to both of them. So you can really watch the evolution of like this firm, solid friendship that has a sexual element to it turning into this very emotional, romantic relationship or well, pining. There's a lot of pining. I'm not gonna lie. There's so much pining. It's beautiful and wonderful. I love it. Um, there's so much pining in this whole series. If you like pining, this is the series to pick up because it's just 
Pine, 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 pine. It should be the subtitle. Show title. Of each book. But yes, so I am directly recommending Common Goal and overarchingly recommending the entire series. If you read Game Changer and it feels like it's not quite holding on to you, keep going because heated rivalry is next. Um, and that is very much not Pine Pine Pine. A friend's to lovers book, but Pine Pine Pine. Uh, pine 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 Pine. <laughs> and speaking of pining, um, the second book that I want to throw out that I have talked about multiple times, and I think Trisha, you might have talked about it as well. Yep. <laughs> is A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria. It's the second book in a series. You do not need to have read the first, but you'll want to because the whole thing is just great. A Lot Like Adios is an estranged childhood friends lovers. Well, childhood being like up to like age 18. Um, They were best friends and pretty like they neither had really said that they were in love with the other, but they were close enough that like anyone from the outside probably would have thought they were going to be married out of college. And then one of them leaves and ghosts the other completely. But now they are older and they each have their own business. And suddenly they're in contact because of the businesses, not knowing that they are those businesses. So now... I don't remember anybody's name. I'm going to be honest. Um, He is coming to New York to look at expanding his gym business in New York. She is, has a marketing firm and he wants her to help him figure out how to build it out. And they end up essentially living together for the next several days uh, because of circumstances and how things work. Um, and they and living together with benefits with benefits yeah yeah but they also have to deal with a lot of their own past traumas and how to get over each of their grievances with each other and the members of their families who that have contributed to those past traumas so it's not a comedy but it is it's fun still um and light-hearted without being goofy. So that's a lot like Adios by Alexis Daria. And I will just mention, mm-hmm. just because this question was about queer friends to lover stories, both of those main characters are bi. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate I I often forget to mention that when it's like, oh yeah, like this, yes. this is obviously a queer book. How yes. is it a queer book? Right. Both of the characters are bi. And then I'm going to throw out another one I do not recall if I have talked about it on this on the show. I am sure that I have. And if I haven't, that's weird. And that is A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall, which is yet another estranged friends to lovers story. And they are estranged because he thought she was dead. This is a late Regency post-Waterloo romance in which the heroine is trans. And she has utilized the fact that people thought she was dead on the battlefield to live her best and fullest life. But when she finds out that her best friend is essentially languishing 
in his dark old haunted estate <laughs> in the north yeah. sh- she goes to help his sister who has written about all of this but really she wants to check on him and he does not immediately recognize her which she is generally happy about because you know that conversation is one that she doesn't want to have but eventually she has to have it but the two have always had extremely passionate feelings for each other that have been friendship that have been like romantic love all wrapped into one but they have to figure that out and they also have to get over the fact that she is alive and living a different life than she was before so yeah that is a lady for a duke by alexis hall one of multiple historical romances that he wrote this year or he put out this year I don't know when he wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't kidding around. Yeah. Nope. Alexis Hall had a big ear. All right. I think we have just enough time to sneak in one more question, okay. which is good because we've only got one left. Yeah. Um, so Rebecca wrote us a very long question. I'm going to condense it, hopefully, in a way that is in keeping with what Rebecca is looking for. So, quote, I'm looking for recommendations for books, but preferably series for me. The series I've read that's closest to what I'm looking for is the Alien series by Ginny Koch. I'm looking for romances that are, and this is the part where I, Trisha, I'm condensing, very humorous with comedy being a strong element, strong character relationships um, with supportive friends or found family, um, another plot or genre element as well as the romance, uh, just something else going on in their lives, like how in The Duke Who Didn't, Chloe is trying to take the family business to the next level. Something that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm very much looking for comfort reading. For accessibility reasons, looking for stuff that is available in ebook in the UK. Looking for series, doesn't matter if it's the same couple or different couple. Not, oh, I'm looking for uh, content warnings for medical trauma, emotional abuse, body horror, or medical procedures. Again, I hope that I th- got all of it. But I, you know what? I appreciate the specificity, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we might have a couple of things to do here. Why don't you give us kick us off, Jess? All right. So in reading this lengthy request, I knew I knew where to go, and I was very happy to type in Amazon.co.uk and verify that these would be available for you because I just want everyone to enjoy them. And those are the Shifter Escapes books by Lucy Eden. The first book is Bear With Me. And the second is uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) The literal Wolf of Wall Street. Um, It's adorable. And there are more that I haven't read, but the ones that I've read have been very enjoyable. Lucy Eden knows how to write a rom-com. Like, there, there are a few people I actually give that title to like few people whose books I call rom-coms, but the, the shifter escapes are definitely very funny and very romantic. And there might be some explicit on the page scenes, but they're not wild and bear with me. I think might've been, no, it wasn't my first Lucy Eden book, but it might've been my second. And uh, this one is about an influencer who has just gone through a horrific and embarrassing breakup and has decided to take some me time and get a cabin in the woods where she's going to like have 
a technology cleanse and just like live for herself for a little bit because she hasn't really had the chance to do that. What she doesn't know is that the cabin that she's rented is on a shifter farm thing. Not farm. That's not the right word. But basically it's a, it's a shifter retreat community. where she's community where she's gotten uh, her cabin and uh, the man who owns it is a bear shifter. So <laughs> call her startled when she ends up meeting a literal bear and then all kinds of other fun things happen. But that's, that's the setup that you need for that. But any book by Lucy Eden, I think you will enjoy, but these are the ones that are very deliberately making fun of themselves and the genre while also not being wildly ridiculous. But if you want something that is wildly ridiculous, might I point you in the direction of the Mead Mishaps books by Kimberly Lemming. You might recognize the title of the first one, which I have discussed excessively that time I got drunk and saved a demon. Yep. Not excessive. The appropriate amount you've discussed it. Ah, yes. Which is followed by that time I got drunk and yeeted a love potion at a werewolf, which I just finished a few days ago, and it was delightful. (laughs) They are completely irreverent while also very, like, firmly placed in the world building that Kimberly Lemming has created. There are also two novellas in the universe that exist somewhere around them. Actually, I think you should read Mistlefoe before you read uh, Werewolf, because there is a character in Mistlefoe who shows up in Werewolf. Although I don't think you really need to know about them before that. But that one is absolutely delightful. It definitely reminds me a lot of touched by an alien <laughs> when it comes to the way that they build the characters and the world building and just have so much fun with it. Um, so yeah, that's the Mead Mishaps books by Kimberly Lemming. All right. And I'm going to give you two series that I think um, hit a lot of your comedy, other stuff going on, family or connection stuff. The first is the Winston Brothers series by Penny Reed. We've talked about it in the past, maybe not a ton as recently. It starts with Truth or Beard, and the series in general is about six brothers. It's a spinoff of a different Reed series, which includes a book about their sister. And they are, they live in Green Valley, Tennessee. It's sort of in the Smoky Mountains area. And they are all just sort of, you know, kind of pursuing their own lives and eventually love stories. What I will say is that they do have a family dynamic that is close and lovely. And I sort of fell in love with the family more than I even fell in love with the books. But there is a, their father is a member of, is estranged and is a member of a violent motorcycle club. And that kind of backstory continues throughout the series. So you sort of see how that evolves. As you get further into this series, there is more focus on emotional abuse. It does get a little bit darker, so kind of heads up on that. But um, particularly the first few books, I think, are very much in that kind of comedic, comfort read sort of fun, funny side of things. I will also, I talked about the book Silver Silence by Nalini Singh on the last episode because I just started it. I have since finished it and started the second book in that series. I would say if you haven't 
explored it yet, the Psy Changeling series by Nalini Singh is one to take a look at. It is less on the comedic and funny side, but it's not fully dramatic. There's definitely some humor in the books. And it's hugely very much a series with other stuff going on. I think you've really pinpointed, uh, Rebecca, the fact that a lot of times a subgenre like an SFF or a mystery or historical by its nature has kind of a secondary plot element. And this very much does. I think you could either start with Silver Silence, which I liked a lot, a lot. There's there's an element about two thirds of the way through that book where the couple sort of has to come apart and then find their way back together in a way that I haven't seen done before that I thought was really, really good. Or you could start like way, way back at the beginning with Slave to Sensation, which is the very, very first book. Um, it's about a changeling wolf, I think Lucas is a wolf, who falls for a psi, who the the psi are a little bit like, uh, what is Spock on Star Trek? Oh gosh, people are yelling at me. Yes, Uh where they're like all logic, no feelings. But Sasha actually has feelings and she's trying to cover it up because she doesn't know what to do. Uh, And anyway, it's it's a really lovely series. You can, the world building is so great. And again, it's not... They're not dark, but they're not not necessarily super comedic either. So kind of know that going in. I will also say in the second part of the series, the Silver Silence Psy Trilogy sort of section of the series, there's a little bit more focused on medical issues that people are dealing with related to kind of their minds and how things work. So again, kind of tread a little bit more carefully into that world. But if it is for you, I think you will really, really like immersing yourself into the 20-ish books that are currently a part of that series. Mm, So many. Yes. Which is good if you're into it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (sighs) And I think uh, that's it, Jess. I think we've done the damage we can do. I I think we have. We have plenty more damage to do in the future, though. (laughs) That is decidedly true. And we are so looking forward. We didn't get a chance yet this year to talk about our favorite. We talked about our favorite backlist. We didn't get to talk about our favorite new books of 2022. So maybe we'll take a, a minute and do that early in, in 2023. Um, but we'd love to know what your favorites are and what books uh, you would recommend for the requests that we got. Absolutely. And um, we haven't forgotten about book club. We're still planning on doing that sometime early in 2023. So if you have thoughts on what you might like to hear us talk about or to discuss with us, um, send those along as well. You can send them as always to when in romance at bookriot.com. You can reach me mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. You can still find me on Twitter. It's magically still there at Jess's reading all one word also on instagram at just underscore is underscore reading and on tiktok at just underscore is reading and there are probably other platforms you can find me on if you just search for me i don't know um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> who's to say who is to say as usual, a huge, amazing thanks to our amazing, wonderful, magical, majestic audio editor, Jen Zink, who has probably edited out some very interesting vocalizations on my end this evening. Um, and some like so- sounds of illness on mine. My apologies <laughs> to all of you and to Jen. <laughs> And for those of you who celebrate various winter holidays, enjoy them. Take some time to read for yourself. And happy reading. We are excited to see you in 2023. Happy reading, everybody.